And we are back again, episode number three. Uh, today we have a special guest with us. Uh, she's done everything from fighting, coaching, she does PT, uh, and I, I, I'll say that she's security to the stars. We'll get into that a little bit later. And uh, without further ado, we have Miss Danielle Hayes. How are you? Hey, Dennis. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm good. I mean, as good as can be, I suppose, with this period of time that we're in. Um, you know, I'm still training. I'm still, nothing's really changed for me at the moment. I'm training, keeping my head knuckled down and business as usual. So when you say training, are we talking in your personal training as in mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, or are we talking more to do with the PT side of things? I'm tr- when I say training, I'm training myself. Like I train myself every day, I suppose. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of strength training um, as that is something that I can really focus on at the moment because obviously all the gyms being closed and not having any partners. Um, so yeah, lots of um, fitness training. So I'm keeping myself um, specific to MMA so that when all this, you know, you know, lifts, we can then get straight back in and I haven't lost too much fitness and, and still be able to go in and not feel like an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> so we'll get on to your uh, MMA uh, career, I guess, in a, in a moment, but we'll first uh, allow people to go back to the original story of, uh, obviously, you carry the name Donnie Brook. I'm sure you've been through this many a times, um, but just for people who don't know where, where does Donnie Brook come from and, and kind of the... Uh, the story behind it yeah yeah that's a good question so many people ask me like oh is that your surname and I'm like no no that's not my surname because it's not a, a name that you tr- sort of traditionally used you know a lot of people use something that's quite you know scary and specific but um I've taken the name Donnybrook because um, obviously my background is is Muay Thai and in Muay Thai culture you always take the name of the gym you know, that you're representing. And so Donnybrook uh, fight team with Jeff O'Hara. Um, so he was my coach. Um, and I, so I took that name. So I carried on his legacy. And Donnybrook, it's, it's kind of a term that's used in fighting, but also a term that's used in ice hockey. So a lot of Americans seem to like message me and like, oh, it's a mad name. Um, but Don- Donnybrook just ma- basically means like a brawl, a mass fight. Um, and Donnybrook came from uh, 1204 in Ireland, and uh, you know when where sort of fighting was, um, you know, came about was in Ireland, and they used to have these massive organised events where they would come together, and you know one sort of oh you call it suburbs, we'll, we'll call it town. One town from another town would come together, and uh, just fight bare knuckle and so that was called a Donnybrook and the the police and the authorities just couldn't stop these brawls from happening um and so that's where where it generates from Donnybrook and that's just basically meaning a a mass brawl chaos fight basically yeah so when you say these street brawls is is is, uh, I, I don't know exactly but is this the um brawls that you see on on YouTube yeah. Where you literally get like twenty guys here and and twenty guys there and yeah they just that's it yeah and you know it, imagine it being like Braveheart you know you've got that wall and you've got that wall and they just go ah, 
and that's basically how, how it was done. I suppose that's kind of happening now, isn't it? There's there's that sport where you have teams and they all kind of fight each other. And I've, I don't really get into it. I've not really watched much of it. It doesn't really interest me. But imagine like Braveheart. Yeah. And they're just going at each other like like war. Yeah. So you obviously say that the um, your background is Muay Thai. Mm. Um, you know, how, how did you originally get involved with that? I was really young. I was 14 when I started Muay Thai. I, um, I lived in a really small town called um, Paynton, for all of those that are listening. You know, it's a very, very small seaside town. And I had a friend that was doing, um, well, she called it kickboxing at the time, like fitness kickboxing. And she said, oh, you should come, you know, you should come along. And at the time, I was definitely, um, I would say, like a little bit lost. I was a little bit um, unsure of, you know, what I wanted to do. I was unsure of who I really was. I think everyone at that age is. They're a bit confused. And um, I knew that I wanted to do something that would keep me focused. I felt that at that time I was kind of um, bumming around the streets and um, and actually getting into street fights, Um Unfortunately, it's kind of sad to say, but that's that's where I was in, in my life. And I knew that it was bad. Um, so when she said, come do this training and, you know, you get to learn how to fight, but it's for fitness. Um, I've always been really athletic and into sports. So I, I said, yeah, let, let's do it. So I went and six months, I I basically learned how to hit pads. Um, and that's pretty much all it was. There was no sparring. We're all girls, you know, not many girls want to get punched in the face. But our coach at the time, um, she was three times world champion. Um, Karen Uzi is her name. And um, as a kid, you know, I just looked up to her. I had so much respect for her and what she'd done. And, uh, yeah, within a year, she said, do you want to fight? And I was so... I was such a kid that was so interested in in doing everything. I wanted to try everything. And if it scared me, it was even more exciting and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll fight. So my first fight was um, in Penzance. And um, it was the hardest fight of my life, genuinely. Like, it was... I don't I don't think I'll ever feel like that again. Um, one, I had zero training for it because I hadn't been sparring. I didn't know what it was like to get punched in the face over and over. And, uh, and two... Um, I was a kid, you know, so and I was fighting this girl that was 18 with, like, tattoos all over her arms. And so kind of ma- imagine yourself in, like, a movie where you're like, what have I just got myself into? And then, like, halfway through, she's in the corner, like, chuckling, doing this, like, nervous <laughs> laughter because she just – she also felt like, God, oh, this is really bad. My hair fell out. My mum's crying in the crowd. My sisters are screaming. And it was like I was on the streets having a fight. Like, it was it – was not it wasn't technical at all um and I've actually still got the dvd for that and I haven't looked at it for probably about 10 years because it's terrible (laughs) and when you say it was the hardest fight you ever had is that more on a uh mental side of things or physical side of things I would say both completely both because it's the first time you're about to embark on this you know thing that you don't do it's not it's not the ordinary thing that we do and I felt like I was fighting for my life you know I had blood pouring down my face it was going in my mouth I was inhaling my own blood I was choking on it I know this sounds dramatic but that's how I felt I felt like I was like you know fighting for my life and and physically I wasn't ready and mentally I didn't know how I was going to feel I didn't know how to deal with my emotions at the time I was still still a kid who who knows how to deal with their emotions and and then you put yourself in a situation like that and I was, um, yeah, I was definitely um, 
shocked at the the feeling that you got. I had that much adrenaline afterwards that I puked. Yeah, so that was my first fight. And the fact that you didn't spar and you say you didn't know what it felt like to be punched in the face, mm. when you got that initial punch, what was your reaction to that? Like, were were you like oh, my God, get me out of here? Or, like, how how was it to have your kind of first first initial kind of contact yeah. coming right there under the, the bright lights, so yep. to speak? Yeah, like, I mean, I, wa- I wasn't, like, get me out of here because at the time I was, I was that girl that enjoyed that type of thing. You know, I felt like I was tough. So for me it was like, oh, my God, like, i got to win. I can't let people see me lose. And, and i gotta, I got to hit her back. You know, that, and that's when I knew that I had that mongrel in me, you know. Like, I was born to fight because like, I wasn't scared of her hitting me. I was like, bring it on, but I'm going to try and hit you back. But, it, you know, you look back on the video and it just looked awful. And now, obviously, now you can, um, you know, relax your mind. You can sort of think more of a, on a, from a tactic base and a technical aspect rather than just swing your arms and windmill and try and clock her, <laughs> you know. Which I guess is the most important thing, right? Like I, I, I remember when I was heading into my my first fight or my only fight, I should say, yep. which you were part of my corner, and yep. I do appreciate that. Um, I remember uh, going across to Vegas and and telling some guys um, about, you know, I'm I'm about to have my first fight. Like, what's the best advice you can give me? Mm. And I remember at the time, uh, Tony Diaz, uh, who was over there, he said, mate. Anything we tell you or, um, you know, anything you get taught in the process is just going to go straight out the door. Oh, absolutely. Right? You, 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 that bell that is going to go and you're going to go start swinging for the fences. So in my preparation for, for that whole six months, I had that in the back of my head. Mm. And, and, and so I kind of mentally prepared probably more than I did physically. Yep. And it was just keep your head about you. Keep your head about you, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I kind of feel like, it worked into my favour. I remember you, yeah, speaking about that actually, and I thought that was really smart because a, a lot of the, you know, your first time fighters, and especially guys, you know, they're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it, you, as much as you want to keep their spirits up and make them feel confident, um, the reality is, is no, you're not going to do all those things, you know. And and the fact that you're, you were looking at more of a, um, a mental um, perspective is like the key part because at the end of the day, this sport is, you know, I would say 70% mental. Um, and of course, you have to be athletic and, um, and be smart as well. But yeah, you definitely went uh, and did the right thing about, about thinking, keep your head about you and just stay calm and remember what you've been taught and rather than rushing things and um, having that tunnel vision. I definitely had tunnel vision on my first fight. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. All I saw was red. I was in the blue corner, by the way. So I was blue and she was uh, red gloves coming at my face and then and then my, my nose was bleeding so it was even more red. I couldn't breathe and, you know, so I had all of these, these um, yeah, uh, physical things happening with me but all these mental things happening with me almost like, why did my coach put me in here? This is, this is ridiculous. Like, this is mental. I shouldn't be here. But at the same time, I wasn't going to give up and I was like, okay, there's another two rounds. Let's just get it done. And um and just give it your all and I did I went the whole three rounds it was amateur of course so um I think it was like two minutes or something two two three uh, three rounds of two minutes yeah and uh and I managed to 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 get it done but I was petrified after that 
And I mean, obviously, you've been well trained. Um, you know, I know that you've done stuff at the academy. You've done stuff at AKA. Obviously, yeah. you you train with the Donny Brook guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you even go across to, I guess, uh, I've seen photos of you at Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah. Um, what is it? Because uh, you know, you you see like a lot of fighters, and and they're very. This is my camp. I'm sticking mm. to this camp, and they're more likely to bring other people into their camp than than travel around. Why why have you chosen to kind of, I don't know, um, find different camps that you can, I guess, take bits from or yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it's it's not out of choice. I mean, sometimes it's uh, it's necessity. I I've not really had. I mean, uh, as we all know, I, I was in Muay Thai, and then I I decided to move on into MMA four years ago. So. You know, people say that I'm this um, veteran. I'm not a veteran. Like, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm still new to MMA. Yes, I'm a veteran because I've been fighting since I was 14, and, and that's a long time. Uh, it, so I am a veteran in fight sports, but MMA is a completely different thing to Muay Thai. And, you know, um, I was at the UFC gym, and I took that to my ava- advantage, and I thought, you know, this is the place that I can learn. And we had some great coaches there, but uh, there wasn't a solid gym where you could fight out of like I couldn't actually fight out of the UFC gym nor did I want to but it was just we had to rally around and get the people that were interested in fighting and pull us together every single day and that's hard work you know when you've got an actual you know uh, a residential uh, gym with a, an owner that is you know paying their bills and they want to help fighters and they're in, you know always in your corner they're always going to be there and I didn't have that I had to just rally around and get the people that I had and the people that had the best interest in, in me and and they were there for me for that for that first amateur uh, fights in Vegas but yeah so now I, it's a case of it's a necessity for me to move around to find um, to connect with other fighters and also to find what style I want because each coach has a different style each coach has a different um, thought process on how you should fight and how you should train and so I kind of just steal a bunch of ideas and then I hybrid that into my own style uh, Tiger Muay Thai has been a place that I go because I love Thailand and Tiger Muay Thai is is not for Muay Thai for me. The MMA is good there. I, I wouldn't go there for the Muay Thai. It's a little bit co- too um, commercial, but I like the MMA side of things there and um, they're just like, they're just grind. And the thing is, is like nobody knows each other there. There's a little bit of a group and a clique that, you know, they all sort of get along and um, they train together and, and they're there and they live there. And the people that live there, they all, you know, stick together and they're in their little bubble. But the, l- the rest of them, they don't know anyone. So you'll go for a sparring and people want to knock your head off. It's like they want to knock you out. And so when I'm there, I know that I'm going to get super hard training. Sometimes they're a little bit dumb, you know slip in and slide in the sweat and you know it's dangerous the amount of times I've turned my elbows inside out is a joke there but I love it I love the heat I love meeting new people um the the Hickman brothers there are really good wrestlers and so I learned really good wrestling there um and I just sleep eat train and just repeat that over and over and it's just the thing that I, I love doing and and sometimes I don't even come back like a better fighter sometimes I don't because it's not like you can sit down and pick apart all the training and, and all the um, concepts that they have. It's just like get in, train hard, get out. 
It's a bit like that, you know. So uh, what I'm lacking is that that sort of sit down and discuss techniques and discuss defense and um, game planning. And, and, and that's the thing that I don't have right now. So, yeah, that's why I kind of dot around a little bit because I'm, I'm constantly trying to seek out um, some advice, I suppose. Yeah. And... You obviously mentioned you enjoy going over to Thailand, and uh, and I find that Thailand's a weird one, right? Because it is like this little country, um, yeah. But a lot of fighters go there, mm. like, a, and and it's kind of like a hot spot. Is it more to do with just the culture and and the fact that you are <coughs> taking yourself away from your everyday life and and doing that, or is I are they tr- like have they got better training techniques? Yeah, I mean for Tiger Muay Thai, uh, sorry, and Tiger MMA. Um, I believe that the coaches there are great. They truly are great. And um, uh, that's uh, the reason I go there is because it's new. Like you say, you're taking yourself out the usual daily routine and it's new. And, it, and you're like on holiday and then you're training, which is something you absolutely love. And you get to eat super cheap and you get to go to the beach and you don't have to think about work. It's paradise. That's what it is. It's paradise. And I'm jealous for the people that live there. But at the same time, I'm also like, but I know that they're struggling. They struggle. Like, they have to fight to make their money so they can pay their rent and eat their next meal. And I suppose that I'm at an age where I'm not really, uh, I'm not really wanting to do that. You know, I, I think that I want to do it. And then I, and I actually really delve deep and I go, do I want to struggle at 31 not being able to find my next chicken and rice meal? You know, whereas that's what they're doing. And they're 20. 19 20 21 and probably back then I would have done it 100% I would have lived there but I've been going to Thailand since I was uh 19 so for me if I can go every year that's enough and I'm and I'll go for a month and I'm ready to leave and then you know six months later I might go again and do you actually stay on the premises or is it like you go you you book yourself an Airbnb and you just train or do they have facilities where where yeah they have facilities but I know I don't stay in their accommodation I stay in my own, own accommodation get myself a moped and then just turn up every single day and then leave but it's 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 pretty cool like they have a really good tight-knit um family of coaches and they all know who I am like every time I'm there they're like hey and I'm like part of the family again and then I leave and then I go back and yeah everyone's pretty welcoming it's more about the um the other people that the, the fighters that are there that everyone's a little bit like standoffish and no one wants to talk to each other but I try and break that shit out of people you know I hate that I hate that like we're about to spar and everyone's super serious you know and you've got a few people there that break it out of people where they're just like trying to be silly and they're just having fun. And that's what it should be about. You know, it should be a, like that. So um, often sometimes I've left and I've been like, oh man, I didn't really make much connection with anyone. Um, but now it's because I make an effort. I make the connections, you know. And and then that's what always brings me back is because I know the people that are there living there. And I'm like, I want to go see those people again. And you made the uh, transition at what age from, from Muay Thai to... MMA when, when oh was I was that? um I was twenty seven okay so four old y- four years ago <laughs> yeah four years ago and what what was the reasoning behind that um I think that Muay Thai I wasn't the best Muay Thai fen- fighter like authentic Muay Thai fighter you know there was I still look back and I feel sad that. You know, I didn't get, you know, some belt and I didn't win, you know, some massive trophies and and, and have that as like my my career and my legacy. And 
Muay Thai for me, I think, was coming to an end and it kind of plateaued a little bit. I wasn't learning anything. Um, and that's the thing with Muay Thai. You get to a particular point and either you grow and you seek out other coaches and the, uh, or you stay where you are. And I wasn't growing because I wasn't seeking out any other coaches. I was staying loyal. And uh, then I was uh, working at the UFC gym and someone started teaching me how to box. And then I realized that there's so much more to boxing than there is Muay Thai hands. And I was like, why am I punching a Muay Thai, like a, like a Muay Thai fighter, when I could punch like a boxer and actually knock somebody out? You know, like I felt like there was just so much more to it and I got super excited. And then my style started to change into more of a, like a K1 fighter. Um, I like to think so, but maybe not. Uh, but I wanted to hit more boxing. And obviously, as you know, in Muay Thai, boxing isn't scored very high, whereas kicking and knees and clinching is scored super high. But I just wanted to box people's faces off. And then my coach was mad at me and he's like, you got to stop, you got to be authentic, you got to be more Muay Thai. And then there was this parts of Muay Thai that I just felt were not smart, you know, not smart. And I just wanted to be a smarter fighter. I felt like that's what I was lacking. Yeah, I can go in and bang. Yeah, I can slug it out for, you know, five rounds. But I wanted to be able to know that you can put anyone in front of me and I know what to do. And so boxing was like this big light bulb went off and and then I decided I'm working at the UFC gym how about I just go into something different and so obviously MMA came about and I got given or offered my first fight and I jumped at it I'd been training like six months maybe jiu-jitsu for six months and I said yeah I'll do it so your first fight was that was that here or is this when you went across to Vegas? Yeah. So my my coach, uh, Jeff, he's got a couple of friends that live in Vegas. And they were just calling out and saying, you know, anyone, you know, f- uh, flyweight, w- female, want to fight on this card? And so he said, do you want to do it? And obviously it wasn't paid because it was amateur. And I said, yeah, I've got enough money. Like, let's just go. And so I prepared myself for, I think I had six weeks for that fight. And um, I fought a girl called Cheryl Zalahar. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and then I knocked her out within the first round. But that trip was, was I was so grateful for. You know, that's what really made me go, oh, this is what I want to do. And obviously going to Vegas, you know, the capital of fighting, it was uh, a big jump, like massive step. But I jumped at the opportunity. I was like, why not? I've got the money, I've got the time, I've got the people around me. And it felt right. And so I went and I had my two coaches and we literally did it in three days. I went, I cut weight, I fought, and I came back the next day. So it was a pretty hectic trip. Well, was it just the one fight? Or I, I thought it was like a tournament style thing where it was multiple fights? Or Yeah, and that came about afterwards. So then um, as soon as that happened, you know, they were super happy. I got a fight the night. Um, and again, all this is at amateur, amateur level. Um, but I really wanted to then pursue and they they came back to me and said we've got this tournament um we'd like you to fight in this tournament with uh i think it was six girls like a a round robin i think it is and uh you will get an invicta contract so invicta you know the promotion for females and um i knew that that was something they would definitely i would definitely take and i would grab that um and so we decided to go again and that was three months after so i had three months you know, and then I went back to Vegas again and I fought on the same promotion. 
and I won again with uh, Amanda. Um, what's her name? Damn, this is terrible. Amanda's fine. Amanda, yeah, Amanda, um, and yeah, like, and I won that fight, and again, it was a slug. Like, it was, it was a three round. Oh, it was five rounds. Sorry, five rounds. And I remember not knowing it was for five rounds, right? So I went, and uh, we were pre- we prepared for three rounds because amateur, and um, somehow. I got in the in the cage and they're like, all right, so we've got this five round bout. And I turned and I looked at my coach and I was like, what? And he's like, no, there's no surprises. You're good. No surprises. And he always says that to me. And I don't know if he actually knew it was five rounds and he didn't want to scare me. But yeah, no surprises. You're going to be good. And so, yeah, I just, I, I did the fight and it was more of a stand up fight. There was a little bit on the ground, but not much. Um, and then I won that. And, uh, yeah, and then that's when the tournament started. So then I was on to the next round. Um, went back again. I think I had, like, four months um, in Sydney to prepare. So I knew I was going back in four months. And then, obviously, eight weeks prior, I started ramp up my training um, and fought a girl called Kavehe. And she was a Hawaiian girl. Um, and, yeah, that was a three-round match. I won that as well. So it was all for the same promotion. Um, I kept winning and it was all amateur Uh, so and that's I think where the misconception is that like I'm a veteran I'm not a veteran I fought amateur in Vegas which was an amazing opportunity and yeah I'm not trying to downplay it like I still had to train the same way as you would a pro and I still you know fought my heart out Um, and I think that knowing that I can get on a plane and spend a day in a country you know and then have a fight cut wait have a fight and then come back like it's pretty intense it's a very intense way of doing things as you know you know that most fighters go to a different country and they might go two weeks prior their fight just to to acclimatize and get their sleep pattern right and I didn't have any of that there was sometimes where I was like falling asleep midday and I would have to fight that night I'm like wow how am I going to keep myself awake so yeah all the odds were a little bit against me when you have to go within a three-day period but I managed to win, and I, and I, and it was a success. So was there was there ever a uh, point where I guess you just thought I've got three fights coming up in this tournament? Why don't I just stay over here for a little while rather than doing the journey back and forward? Like, was that ever mm-hmm. a thought process? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what happened. I realized that it's probably best for me to try and stay in America because I knew the next fight was coming up. So that's when I then said, all right, I'm going to go to syndicate. But it was a point in my life where I decided that maybe Australia wasn't the place where I wanted to live. So I called up John Wood in syndicate, um, who I rate as a very good coach. And uh, he said, yeah, come over. Um, We'll help you get a job. Um, I can't promise anything with a visa, but come over on just a standard Esther visa, which is, you know, your holiday visa. And um, obviously, I still had it running because of all the fights I had to go over for. And so I was like, yeah, I'm coming. I'll be there in uh, a month. So I went, uh, I think it was sometime in November 2017 or something like that. Um, And yeah, I'd only been fighting for a year. I'd had three fights in the space of 11 months. So that's pretty good going. And I thought, all right, it's time to take to the next step. Went over to Vegas. Uh, I lived with a couple of friends there. And then, um, unfortunately, I'd kind of fallen in love <laughs> with, uh, yeah, my current boyfriends. And it was so sad, like, not to be with him. So he came over in, like, 
he three weeks he had to come over couldn't couldn't leave you know so I um was there for maybe two months and then realized when after traveling around California and I traveled to San Diego and went to the beautiful Yosemite um National Park and uh, the Grand Canyon and all these things and then I'd go back to Vegas and I was like I don't really like it here hey like it's not for me like I need more Vegas is cool like most people that haven't been to Vegas they just think about the strip but when you actually live in the residential areas it's pretty dull for me it's quite dull there's not much going on apart from you know you can go on these awesome beautiful walks and stuff which I also love, but I just felt like I, I wasn't gelling with the place very well. And it was just um, just after the, uh, the the shootings. Do you remember the shootings that happened in the hotel? The the Mandalay Mandal- Bay Mandalay Bay shootings. Yeah, it was literally two days after when I arrived, and the whole place was like eerie. It was weird. It was like it was like uh, you could feel that the sadness in the air, which sounds really like you know, woo-woo, but, like, it was just strange, and um, that took a while for people to kind of come out of that and then move on, and, um, and yeah, and obviously the gym that I was at um, was fairly quiet at the time, um, and, yeah, there was just, there was just parts of it that I was like, I'm so sick of, like, struggling, and I, that's, you hear a lot, you know, coming up from being amateur to pro, is that you struggle with work and finding money, and, like, you fight to, to get to get money so that it can help you for your next camp, and it's this constant chasing your tail of um, wanting to train good, and uh, but not have to work, and to try and balance those two things is super hard, and any fighter will know that you know, they're just, they're constantly resenting that they have to work. But if they don't work, then they can't pay for this or pay for their flight. And, um, you know, that small, you know, couple of grand that they might make for a fight isn't going to help them for the remaining year. So, um, yeah, like I couldn't find a good, decent job in, in Vegas. And also it just didn't really, that the place and the people just didn't really sit well with me. And I just wasn't that comfortable. Um, and then obviously, like I said, I, I, I f- you know, was in, in, in love and I decided that I'll just go back to Australia and just try and figure it out. Um, and, and I've still been trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, you're now staying in Australia, right? Yes, yes. It's funny what love can do, right? I know. But um, so with the tournament, you went all the way through to the finals on that one or...? Um, I won't talk too much about that. I'll just say that it was, it was, uh, was not what I thought it was. Yeah, it was not what I thought it was. So, um, unfortunately, that came to an end and my fight got cancelled um, and then the whole thing got cancelled. Uh, and uh, that was to do with the promoter just having some some personal issues going on. So, yeah, that just got stopped. And and in a way, I, I, I thought that uh, it's probably best because um, it didn't seem as legit as I thought it was. Yeah. So no Invicta contract? No Invicta contract. Okay. So you come back anyway um, after that and you made the transition from, from amateur to pros. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, that was the step where I was like, okay, let's fight pro because no amateur would fight me. And that's because of my Muay Thai background. So you've got these you know, young girls that are coming up, but they were like, no, 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 don't want to fight Danielle. Um, and that was kind of like a, it was, it was, it was good because I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm, I must be a good fighter. But at the same time, I was like, well, m- it's not because now I'm not fighting. And I just stayed idle for ages. And, and then I finally f- got a fight, um, 
and I took that fight, and that was in uh, Brisbane. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I uh, Caitlin was her name, and and I, and I lost. Um, and that I think comes down to ignorance. It came down to ignorance of me. Just going, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing my last camps. Um, my striking's good. Um, I'll just be fit. And then all of a sudden, I'm snap bang in a armbar. And it was tight. And I had to tap. She broke my elbow. Yeah. So that was my first pro fight. And then I seeked out a little bit of help from a few people that I know um, in the community and, and some um, managers for MMA and he uh, said, look, like, let's get you some decent fights. I'm going to manage you. Um, I'm probably going to be able to get you a Bellator contract. But just keep your head down and um, start working. Start working on your jiu-jitsu and wrestling. And I was like, all right, sweet. So I did. Um, and again, I always had these complications of, you know, struggling with work, ha- trying to have a full-time job, living, you know, in an area that doesn't have any decent gyms around. So having to travel an hour and a half every single training session and then an hour and a half back. And that's after you've done, you know, like a 10-hour job. So it's tough go, but, you know, it is what it is. And so I pushed and I trained and then I wasn't getting any fights. And people get saying to me, like, when are you going to fight next? When are you going to fight now? I just look at them and go, Who? Who am I going to fight? That's the that's the question. No one wants to fight me, and if they do want to fight me, they're already they already have a contract. So um, in that moment, in that period of time, then that's when my manager is like, "I'm going to put forward and get you this Bellator contract," and I was like, "Please do it," because it was more so that I, I was getting a little bit older, you know. Um, and I'm starting to feel like something needs to happen now, you know, and and not because I deserve it, but just more so. I'm kind of coming to the end of like you know it being a good idea to get smashed you smash your body and I kept feeling my injuries a lot and so I was like I'm gonna take it and he and he promised me this this Bellator contract I promise you I'm gonna get it and I was like sweet so I waited and waited and waited and waited and then I got it I got the Bellator contract and he got me a um, free fight contract over an 18 month period Um, the money was very standard you know and it wasn't about the money for me it was just more about I just want to be on my deathbed and be like I made it to where I want to make it you know I didn't make it with my Muay Thai career please let me just make it this time with this this is what I want to do and, and I like Bellator as, a, as an organization um so yeah he got me the contract and I was stoked I was so happy but then I realized then I was like okay it's uh, I need to I need to start up in my training I need to set some sort of foundations I need to have the right coach I need to have the right training partners and my strength and conditioning needs to be there um and so those are all my thoughts but then I had this full-time job that I needed to keep and um and I busted my ass to like work and train I was training at like 9 p.m until 11 at night which is dumb you know and then I'd wake up at four in the morning to go to work again so my training was all out of whack my um yeah my foundations weren't there and uh I got a fight and I was like so sick and tired of not fighting that I was like I'll take it doesn't matter I would have fought anyone I would have fought Mike Tyson at that point you know I was like I take it I take it and uh, Chelsea Hackett came along and and um I really respect Chelsea's um stand-up I think that she's I really like her style and I thought well, you know what we're not that we're not that different you know and in uh, no part, part of part of me did I think oh I could lose this like I just knew that it would be a fun fight 
And so my manager, he said, like, the Bellator contract, you know, the Bellator promotion said, yeah, you can fight as long as it's a good fight for you. And I'm like, what do you mean by good fight? Like, do you mean, like, for the spectators or do you mean for me? And so he's like, you need to win that fight. And, and that was the pressure then. I was like, I need to win it because they now knew that I, if I lost that, I was on a... I was on a two-loss streak, and I haven't even won as, as pro. So that doesn't look so good, you know. So there's a lot of pressure for me to win that fight. Um, I didn't have the right training. I didn't have the right partners. And I could say all these excuses. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. But at the end of the day, it was ultimately up to me. And I felt like the training I did was just enough. But obviously on the day, it wasn't enough. Um, Chelsea was a bit stronger, and I don't think that she... Uh, beat me hands down it was tight I mean at the end of the day we went for the full three rounds um, but yeah you know by the second round I knew that she'd won that fight and it was just a case of staying in there and just trying to keep my head up um, and I lost and I had to take it um, on the chin and kudos for her you know she did a good job and she's still doing a good job and uh, we've met recently and we've sparred and she's a really nice girl and I wish her all the best but uh, at the same time I'm not gonna lie like I would I would fight her again and I would make sure I would win because I know now how to win against her um, and I know what not to do and I've made a lot of mistakes in my pro career and I don't want to make those mistakes anymore so right now I'm looking at finding the right people to put myself around who are on the same journey as me and have the same aspirations and um and until then I'm not going to fight because I need to be confident you know you fighters go through these ups and downs and you know you you can't lie there's the best fighters in the world that will second guess do they have you know do they have it are they supposed to be fighters you know are they on the right path and um, I've been through my lows and I'm now coming out the other end. I think the time, the time off that I've had has made me realize that um, it's all mindset. You know, you will win if you know you're going to win. If you know you're going to lose, you're going to lose. You know, before my last fight, I, I kind of knew deep down that this is going to be really hard. And I kind of didn't want to be there. And that's a problem. That's a major issue. You need to want to be in that fight because if you don't, you're losing. And and why didn't you want to be in that fight? Was it just something you weren't feeling well at the time, or uh, what? What was it? The added pressure. I mean, hindsight's always a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so, so I guess looking back on it now, is there anything you would have handled differently leading into that fight, or is it one of those things that you'd even say? I shouldn't have taken that fight. I, I had I had a contract. What what was I doing? Or would you say you were to have that fight again? Would you do it with a different game plan? Or, or, or what was it that took you out of that fight? Mm. I shouldn't have taken the fight. I shouldn't have. Um, but the issue was is that unfortunately, you know, these organisations will sign athletes. They'll sign fighters, and they'll kind of leave you dangling for a while. You know, they'll leave you hanging. Um, then you've got to go through the process of getting an athlete uh, a visa through America. And because I didn't really have any credentials through my Muay Thai career, um, that wasn't going through. And so 
the the visa kept getting stopped it kept um getting um pushed back and so we tried twice uh to get this particular visa that you need in order to get paid when you fight in america and um and they denied it twice so that was the problem for me is that i needed to be able to pick up my win streak to be able to get Bellator to go, this girl, we want her, let's bring her in. Because they kind of leave you on the sideline for a little bit. And they're like, oh, you, well, you've got a contract, but we can basically bring you in whenever we want. Or if we don't want, we'll just leave you on the sideline. So you kind of like, you know, you've got by the balls a little bit because you want to be in Bellator, but at the same time, you need to, you know, keep up your, your, your fighting so that you feel fresh for when you actually get into Bellator, that you're not rusty. And so that's a constant battle. And so I just went ahead, like, you know, I just thought, just move forwards. You can't stay idle. So just move forwards because right now you're not getting anything. So at least if you start getting your win streak up, that then maybe they'll take you on. Unfortunately, that backfired for me because my visa didn't go through. um, And, you know, they weren't going to try a third time. I just lost twice. You know, so I can't expect too much. And I completely um, understand you know, why they've they've released me. Um, and the goal really now is to get them to want me back. That's the goal. Um, but you can't do that unless you have, you know, minimum two, two, two fights and wins. That's what you need. You can't come on a two-loss two streak and expect a contract, you know. That's true. And I guess with that, do, I, I know you say Vegas wasn't for you, the mm. people, the, the city. Um, would you ever consider relocating over there uh, not for the for good or forever but like say for a six month period or something like that um definitely whether it be in la new york Mm. um and i say that twofolds and 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 the first is you know uh, the one thing i noticed with gyms over there compared to here is the the amount of training partners you have Mm um uh the differences that we've spoken about in the past, which is the wrestling and everything as well. But mm. I guess from a promotional standpoint of view as well is, I mean, I don't know how it works. You, you said with the Vegas one, you had to get yourself over there. It was a cost on you. Now, say you got a Bellator contract, I would assume that they would handle those costs. Definitely. And for that saying that, in their eyes, it would be a lot easier to put someone up in a hotel that's already over there Mm. right than having that extra expense flying you in from australia so have you ever thought about maybe just going you know what i'm going to give it six months 12 months and i'm going to go over there and see what happens i'll get more training partners you know different training methods and and potentially i'm i'm closer to the circuit Mm -hmm. i have thought about it um yeah so it's it's just one of those things that you, you firstly you need to be ready and and right now mentally I'm not ready just to pack up and leave um, and of course that would cause lots of issues with you know my relationship my my my, my boyfriend would have to come with me because um, we're like two peas in a pod you know we don't leave each other's side for one minute I mean even now like I've been away from him for way too long <laughs> but um yeah it's 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 definitely something that I'm interested in looking at and of course you have to be the uh you'd have to be within that organization and the fact that Bellator is mainly in America 
Of course they don't want to fly you from Australia when they could just pick the next girl. There's many more people like me out there. You know, I'm not one in a million. So you really have to, you know, you have to put yourself out there. You have to you have to do the hard yards and you have to pay the money and, and, and put yourself in a difficult situation. And so for my first time going to Vegas, I knew that I was going to be a little bit broke. I knew that it was going to be hard for me. I just didn't know how hard it was going to be, you know. I just, it was too much. Like for me it was... I was just sad, you know, I was just like lonely and sad, which is, this is not fun for anybody. And I, I mean, I would class myself as a little bit of a loner, but I don't know, like I just, I just, I was really alone. And um, um, it didn't make me, it didn't make me motivated. Yeah. And it's always easy when, when you pull wins, Win winning's easy. Obviously, you've experienced a couple of losses as well. But one thing we haven't spoken about is also having fights cancelled on you. Yeah. Which is which is tougher? Is it is it tougher to go, you know, train, potentially have a fight lined up only to have it cancelled on you? Or is it tougher to have that fight and come out the other end with, with an L? 100% losing is the worst like, you know, you get a, someone cancel on you and sometimes for legit reason, they might have broken something and it's like, oh, damn. Yeah, you've been building yourself up. But that doesn't mean that you've lost anything. You know, you, you basically carry on where you left off. You know, you give yourself a little bit of tapering down and then when they're ready again, you pick it up and you just go again. Like, most fighters should be training all year round. Hard, you know, with obviously smart. It's about smart training and they should be training every day um and you know progressing so for me it's not a bother i just go oh damn okay well that's a shame because you know you have a goal you have a date um you know you 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 program your whole training sessions so it fits and peaks at the right moment you're not losing anything you know you just made yourself a better fighter you push real hard and you know you're just more experienced now I guess, I guess I say because a lot of fighters also talk about the grind and, you know, they, they, they say the fight is easy, right? They, they talk about it's leading up to the fight, that, that grind that's hard. And, and then also like the weight cut and stuff. You always see fighters, once they step off the scale, they're like, right, time to have fun. Right, because they they they, they kind of see it that way, and that, I guess that's where I'm talking about is just you know if you've spent like whether it be eight weeks, ten weeks training, and then have someone pull out on you, for instance, and you're like, man, I, yeah. I, I've I've literally just spent the last ten weeks, and I've got nothing to showcase now. Yeah. I've got no. I, I guess that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's definitely annoying. It's definitely annoying, um, and I definitely feel after the weight cut, I'm like oh, halfway there. Like, it's almost like this massive hurdle that you've got to get through. And yeah, like, uh, I'm not going to lie. Like, the training, I love. I love training hard. I love pushing my body to the to, 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 to limits. The weight cut, like, I hate that. I hate the dieting. I hate stripping my body from water, you know, and sauna in and drying up like a prune. So that, for me, as soon as that's done, I'm like, oh, thank God. It's like, phew, done. Um, fun in terms of having a fight, yeah, of course, it's like D-Day, it's like, yes, it's going to be done, it's going to be here, it's, it's now, um, and this is the difference between some people fight for different reasons, some people fight because they say it's fun, like, during my fights, I'm not having that much fun, 
right? Which is odd, isn't it? Okay. But afterwards, I'm having fun. And in my training, I'm having fun. And being part of this community, I'm having fun. But sometimes during a fight, especially when you know you're losing, it is a shit place. Dennis, you don't know because you only won. <laughs> you've had a you've had a win streak. And I, that's it. <laughs> I, I was in a really bad spot though. Yeah, like I was yeah. in a really bad spot. So I can kind of say that because uh, I think I was saying to Mick on the last podcast was when when I got hit in the groin. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. There there was part of me that was like Get out. Yeah. <laughs> why are you here? Why, why am I even here? You <laughs> mm-hmm. know, and, and as I was saying to Mick, it, it, it was literally having friends and family there that gave me that, Yes. you know, as they say, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on the shield. That wasn't really probably the, the thought process there, but um, it was a case of like, I can't get out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- it, the thought was definitely there because it wasn't like I went in there and, and I won you know, easy or or outright, like yeah, yeah. that first half, mm-hmm. I, I was getting yeah. beat up pretty pretty yeah. bad, and and you probably know as the coach or some, you guys were standing on the side there, pretty nervous, yeah. I, I would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. But like, what what between pros and amateurs, what is the the major difference that you found there as well? Is it is it just um, more pressure or, or like yeah I think the pressure was what got me I mean my first fight was kind of um with Caitlin was like whoa like that will happen real quick and um no one was expecting that like I kind of went in thinking I'm gonna be fine um and you know if I did the whole fight again I would be fine but it was uh it was a shock a little bit of a shock really it all just happened really fast um but to me <sighs> That wasn't the pressure one. It was the second one. That was pressure because I felt what it was like to lose. I had to go back to my team and I had to say to my friends and family, oh, I just lost our armbar. And um, and the worst thing is, is that I've never had to physically tap, you know, to be out of a fight because I've never been knocked out. I only knock people out and I've never had a TKO. So I've always lasted my rounds. If I've lost, I've always finished to the very end. And so this time round, it was like I physically had to say stop, which was really hard to deal with. And I had to then go through that process of felt like a little bitch. And, you know, and then I had to go, right, how do I make this better? Like, what do I need to do? Okay, I need to work on my jujitsu. Fine. You go work on your jujitsu. Then the next opponent comes around and it's like, okay. Now, that at this point, I was like, I have to win because if I don't win this, Bellator are not going to take me and bring me on soon. I'm going to be sat on the sideline. And that's pretty much what happened. I lost and I sat on the sideline for a long time and then eventually your visa's not going through. You know, you haven't got any wins. I can't, we can't bring you on. So, so yeah, the, the, that pressure was what got me. And obviously, you know, going pro, um, you're fighting girls that are at the same level as you you know, in my amateur, I kind of looked and was like, oh, I'm going to beat you. That's easy, you know. Whereas this time, it's like, okay, well, she's got some good skills. You know, she's, she's nothing to be messed around with. And and um, treat it like, you know, she's better than you. You have to. In your training, you have to be like, I'm fighting the best person in the world to, to motivate you to go harder and go faster and, and um, G yourself up. Um, yeah, and then obviously being pro is goes on your record and you can't scrub that shit out like zero and two however they are more lenient in mma records than they are 
for instance, in boxing. And yeah. that's why a lot of people talk about doing a lot of fights in the amateurs is because your boxing record is kind of like really hard to scrub out where, yeah. you know, even in MMA, being on a two-fight losing streak, mm. um, you know, if you if you bring the next two, three into the W column, things can change quite quickly. Definitely, and I hope so. But that's when that's when you start to think about, okay, that's great if you're 20, 21, you know, you've got another 10, 15 years to just get it, make it better. And I'm coming to an age, and, and people go to me, you're not old. And I'm like, yeah, but at some point I want to have kids, you know, and then will I want to go back into fighting after that? There's many girls that have, but not everyone's the same. I might decide that, you know, parenting is me now and that's what I want to be. And I don't want to see my, I don't want my kids to see me getting bashed up and coming home with black eyes. And I don't know how I'm going to feel. Um, but I definitely know that I want to be a mum and uh, I don't want to be an old mum, you know. And uh, spending some time on the coaching side as well, what do, you, what do you find more difficult? Do you find being the fighter more difficult or do you find being the coach more difficult? And, and what I mean by that is obviously the fighter, you're the one who's physically going in there. Yep. But I also feel like you've got a sense of control. Yep. Where on the sideline, you know you're not going to take any damage and you can give advice, but theoretically when things are going bad, mm. you kind of don't have control. I mean, you, you can yell instructions at your fighter, but if that fighter ain't responding, it, it's kind of... So what do you find more difficult? Do you like having that control mm. and being in the cage? Mm. Or do you like being on the outside kind of... Yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword be being a coach because as much as, you know, you you want them to do well and ultimately it's up to them whether they do well or not you know you can give the instructions you can um you know you can say the right things and and if they don't perform then they don't perform but at the same time you also have this like pit in your stomach where you feel guilty you know you feel like it, it was it was your fault that they didn't win could you have done something better could you have said something at the right time better could you have you know, prep them, you know, there's so many things that might go through your mind. And I definitely know this happens to my coach. He often, on my losses, would really feel quite guilty. Um, and it's important, I suppose, as a coach to to have that relationship with the fighter and the student. Um, you need to be, you know, in tune with each other. And you need to be able to express how you feel. Because I think there's, um, especially through my younger sort of years of doing Muay Thai, I lost my first Muay Thai fight. And my coach didn't speak to me for a year. So one year, she just didn't speak to me. Or did you not speak to her? No, she didn't speak to me. And she didn't talk to me about the loss. She didn't say what you could have done better. She didn't say anything. It was like, done. That's it. You fought, you lost, we don't talk about it. Which I think is really bad. And I think that sitting down and pulling apart the loss and, and try and mentally get over that hurdle is what's going to help you for your next fight. And unfortunately, I haven't had that. I haven't been able to speak to anyone about my losses except my partner. And of course, he's going to say all the things to try and make me feel better. But really, what someone needs to say is, Danielle, you lost because you didn't train the way that you should have. Or you lost because of this. Or this was shit. This could have been better. And sometimes it's a bit of tough love. And I don't get that. You know, I don't get that. And that's probably what I need in order to grow and to be able to pinpoint what is lacking and then make it better. Yeah. 
Did that answer your question? Or I just go on a yeah, tangent. No, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a good tangent to go on, and I, I guess it also depends on every fighter because y- you know you see some of these other fighters, and and they'll get asked, you know, have you viewed your last fight? And a lot of them, like six months later, they'll be like, no, nah, still haven't looked at it. No, yeah. Um, and other people will be like, yeah, I've watched it like five times already. So. Mm-hmm. It's very fighter dependent, and I guess that that that's the tricky thing is finding, uh, as you say, the relationship between a coach and a fighter that actually are on the same path. Because yeah. you might get a, a a coach that doesn't really want to break down the fight, mm. and a fighter like yourself that's kind of like, I need the tough love, I need to figure out where I went wrong. Mm. But you can also have the opposite, right? Where a coach just wants to tell you, and the fighter's like, I don't want to hear it right now. So it's yeah, it's a timing thing, definitely. Right? You have to be ready to hear it. Um, but you do need to hear it at some point, you know, if you want to continue. So I would say that I've, I've at the moment, I've, I'm just coming out of, I thought I was coming out of it, but no, I was actually still in this sort of like bit of a rut where I was, you know, kind of sad and, I've, and, I, and I needed confidence again. And so I, I'm slowly coming out of it now. And, um, and wherever I go, doesn't matter what gym I go to now, I just know that it's ultimately up to me whether to seek out advice, seek out, you know, new techniques you know make my jiu-jitsu better my wrestling better my striking staying on point it is up to me you know I can't have a coach be like you need to be here at this time so um I'm an adult you know and if I want to make it happen it's only me that's going to make it happen so so yeah it's uh I'm going to fight again I just need to have the foundations there and if you don't have foundations there and you don't feel supported and you don't feel like it's the right time yeah don't fight and I guess until you find the next fight, um, you know, your plan was to go join the circus. Yeah. So, yeah, I had this really cool um, opportunity that I jumped on because that's me. Uh, you know, at the time, I'm like, look, I'm going through this really sad time. I don't know where to go. I've got no coaches. And how about, I, you know, I do this because then that way, maybe on the other end of it, I might be like, all right, now I know where my pathway is. We all get a little bit lost sometimes, but that's me. So, uh we're yeah so the circus came about they're touring in australia they said uh you know we'd like a security team to come on board um my partner's pretty you know high-end security you know does close protection and stuff like that so he got the manager role and i went and did my security course so i could be you know with, with them um and it was a tour through sydney brisbane uh, melbourne adelaide and perth and so we jumped on board and it's a full year and we did the Sydney um, Sydney stint, the Brisbane stint. We went on holiday. We went to Thailand, Cambodia and Vietnam for a month. And then within that period, that's when the COVID-19 hit. And um, they let basically just said there cannot be any more shows. I think they had their premiere in Melbourne. We weren't there for it. We were in Vietnam. And then the next day, bang, it just stopped. And so they've been stopped and the tent's still up in Melbourne and, and everyone's jobs and all the actors and all the performers and the athletes just fled back to their countries. Most of them are from Russia um, and um, uh, America. So, yeah, they fled back to their countries and, and um, yeah, that was it. So it was kind of sad and it was cut short for us, but uh, it was definitely a nice experience. And um and I'm still in the same situation. I think it would have finished in September. So by the time you know all this and the gyms open back up again, I'm pretty much back in the same time period of where I would be if I had continued. Um, but that was just a nice little break for me. And was it was it a uh, was it a cruisy gig or or was there some sort of stories that you can take out of there as well? 
Um, yeah, you, you, it's funny because you'd think it was cruisy because a family show, but actually there's VIP or you can drink, like unlimited alcohol. So, of course, people are, you know, Aussies. They're going to get drunk, right? So, yeah, there was um, a few scenarios where we were in a bit of a scuffle. Um, you know, we had to, you know, politely remove people from the premises. But most of it is just I'm actually looking after the um, performers more than anything so that, you know, no one no one can be like this. Like really, you know, the fans that are all crazy for these performers, they can rush backstage and try and meet them. So they were protected more than anything. And, um yeah, it was, it was a cruisy gig. I really enjoyed it. And I got to watch the show heaps of times and spend some time with some really awesome people with some amazing skill. Um, and, yeah, it's a shame that it's not happening anymore, but it was a good experience for whilst it lasted. And, obviously, we're talking about Circus Soleil. Circus um, Soleil, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been to a couple of their shows. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, and I guess you, you say COVID finished that off for you. Um, yeah, exactly. There, That's there, there's no us. news of going back to it once, uh, what you may call it, once COVID Lifted. finishes? That, that there is a potential for them to come back to Australia and start another tour. Um, and I think that they will probably give us a call because we seem to get along with them really well and have a good relationship with them. Um, but for now, um, they're packing up and uh, taking their stuff back to Montreal and then um, see what happens. Leave the space open for them. And during COVID now, you're you obviously doing a lot of PT stuff. Um, yep. was, was that something you'd already been doing beforehand or is that something that you've now managed to kind of like build as the COVID process has been sort of playing out? Yeah, no, it's definitely something I've been doing. I've been personal trainer for eight years. So I've always been involved in coaching. Um, I love educating people. That is probably what I what I get out of it. I love seeing people have that light bulb moment and be like, oh, like that's what I can do with my body and, you know, feel motivated and, and encouraging people to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, my, my business, um, Alternate Fitness, is is basically, you know, come train with me. I'm going to show you how to, to box, how to do kickboxing. We can show you some Olympic lifting. We can do some strength. We can do some bodyweight stuff. So it's kind of like an umbrella of, of, of a chameleon of, of things that I coach. And um, I've been doing it for a long time, but I suppose now I'm able to put a little bit more effort into it. And the fact that I'm not in a time schedule of having to train at certain times and, you know, like trying to be with people at peak hours, which would be in the evening to train in the gyms, that's not happening. So I can put more attention into my clients. Um, but ultimately it comes down to what do you want more? You know, do you want money or do you want to train with, with, with great um, athletes and and, and do some jiu-jitsu and some wrestling and have bodies. And sometimes you're constantly juggling that as a PT. But then the flip side, you get to have the afternoons off and you can have a rest and you can catch up on some sleep and some um, R&R time. So I guess, I mean, we, we can kind of round it off there. If, if people are looking to contact you, whether it's for a fight opportunity yep. uh, for PT sessions, how, uh, where, where should they... Yeah, so you can go straight onto my Instagram, my personal Instagram, which is 
Danielle underscore Donnybrook, um, or you can go to alternate.fitness, which is my um, business Instagram. So I run most of my things from Instagram. Um, it's just easy. Seems Everyone seems to be on that at the moment. And um, and yeah, I've also got remote coaching. So I do an online app. And um, so if people can't see me face to face, then they can um, plug into my app and they can do home workouts, um, which I then program for them. Their nutrition is involved in that as well. And it's at a pretty good price right now. Um, during you know these times, not everyone has you know a slush fund of money. So um, I've I've done it at a good price where you know it doesn't break the bank, but you can still have some guidance um, through staying fit and healthy and starting to get some progress through whether it be boxing or or strength training or just your, your stock standard um, fitness and and body weight workouts. So is that app? Uh, across all platforms it's mainly for iphone but you can definitely use it on desktop and is it subscription based or is it uh, uh, a purchase price it's purchase price purchase price and what's the name of the app true coach nice one so I guess this is where we're going to wrap it up unless you've got something else you want to talk about. No, I just want to say, um, you know, through listening to this, I, I just wanted to express that, you know, um, d- being a fighter is an is a amazing thing. I may have said a few things that was confusing to you, but I think that everyone is different as an individual in this sport and everyone plays out their fights differently and, and goes through a different journey. So whatever journey you're going on, whether it's good or bad, just know that this is part of the parcel. You will go through waves through this journey and um, just appreciate the good times. And with that, I will say we are wrapping this up. I want to thank you once again, not only for jumping on the podcast. Uh, obviously, as I discussed earlier, you were uh, a critical part in my corner as well. I still claim that you're the uh, best hand wrapper in the game. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I really do appreciate your time. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. I'm away. I'm away.